Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Welcome to Tuesday night Torah study, everybody. I appreciate all you guys coming out to uh, study the Torah tonight. Those of you that are listening online. Um, so why don't I open in a word of prayer after I get these guys over here to... Okay, I'm going to open in a word of prayer. That's all right. It's no big deal. <laughs> It's a friendly group. It's a friendly group. Well, it depends on which clock. Sam, two minutes late on this one. So there's another issue we've got. Yeah. My, for what it's worth, my watch says it's exactly the right time to start. Okay. So let me pray. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for uh, just blessing us all, each of us. And, um, I just thank you for loving us and guiding us. And I ask that you be with us tonight as we discuss your word, as we uh, look at the the things you've taught us or you're teaching us with this and help us to continue to um, go deep and understand what it is you're trying to show us. I just thank you for this group of people that likes to look at your word and I thank you for the things that we're all going to learn tonight. In Yeshua's name, amen. Okay, let's see. I got a bookkeeping thing I got to talk about first. Let's see. Um, today is the 23rd, I think. Yeah. Uh, next Tuesday is the 30th. And we'll, won't quite finish up Genesis, but I'm going to be gone for four Tuesdays in November. So John has, you know, I got him in a chokehold, and he said he'd, uh, he'd do this for the four, four Tuesdays in November. Yep. And um, it's up to him, it's up to you guys. We'll just, uh, you could probably spend at least one of those, maybe two of them, finishing the book of Genesis. And then if you want to start, um, Exodus, fine. If you don't, that's fine too. Uh, we'll start whatever I get back, assuming I get back. But you know, I'm assuming I will. So I'm going to Israel. So over there, and I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll go do something. I'll come back with a complete report. But no, got a lot of good friends though. Yeah. Boy, you don't want much. Good Israeli wine and olive oil. That'll, that'll, be, that'll be fun to get through customs. Do you have something, Mike? Oh, no. Uh, okay. <laughs> BB, I'm not, I doubt. BB, you know, it is interesting, though. The people that we know that are over there, they end up running into members of the Knesset, they call them, rather than members of parliament. And the, the access to uh, government people is a lot easier over there. But that's because the country's got 5 million people as opposed to 330 million people. And they're in about the size of you know, a quarter of New Jersey as opposed to the size that we've got. So it's, it's interesting that the government is more uh, seemingly accessible. Seemingly. Anyway, that's, let's move on.
Last week, we were, I think this, this, uh, the story of Joseph and stuff is really about the best part of Genesis. And last week, we were uh, looking at the way he was busy kind of running his other brothers around the flagpole while he, he was taking advantage of the fact that they didn't recognize him. And so he had, he had sent them back home um, with the instruction that if they, if they want to see him again, they'd better bring their little brother with him. Because he was saying, I don't think you have one. I think you're lying to me. If you, if you bring him back with you, then I'll know that you're telling me the truth. And we know the, the fact that Jacob didn't want, him to, didn't want Benjamin to go because these guys don't have a very good track record with taking care of little brothers. Uh, Joseph. You know. Anyway, <clears throat> they, they did. They got hungry. Jacob said, go get some more food. They argued and says, we can't go back unless we take Benjamin with us. And he says, I don't want you to take Benjamin because you guys are such knuckleheads. But uh, he finally said, okay, okay, you can take Benjamin. And you remember Judah said, I'll be responsible for Benjamin. I'll bring him back. If I, you know, it, I'll take care of this. You don't have to worry about uh, Anyway, so that's what happened. And they came back. And when uh, they got to Joseph's office or house or whatever you want to call it, he met them all and... Uh, so is this your little brother? And he said, yes. And he was kind of overwhelmed because he, it was his little brother, right? It was Joseph and Benjamin are the only two sons, the only two children of Jacob's loved wife, Rachel. But anyway, they were all sitting down having a meal. Uh, he invited them to a meal, and these guys still haven't quite figured out what's going on yet. They thought he was going to, uh, my favorite part is he was going to take them all as slaves and steal their donkeys. I thought that was funny. But anyway, that was in chapter 43. At the end of chapter 43, um, they, he had had them all invited for dinner, and he arranged them in the order of their birth. Um, and he gave all of them something to eat, except Benjamin he gave five times as much as he gave all the others. And it didn't say anything about that, but we left last week with this kind of us talking about it, you know, what he's supposed going on there. And I... I hadn't really thought about it, and you guys brought it up. It was, uh, well, obviously what, we, what he was doing was he was seeing how they responded to favoritism. You know, if they had, if the Bible had recorded that they had all gotten upset, what are you, what are you, you little twerp, you don't deserve five times as much as the rest of us, what's going on here? It doesn't say they didn't do that, but it doesn't say they did. So uh, I think you can kind of assume that they weren't, I don't know whether you can assume it or not. It was about a test for whether how they were going to respond to favoritism. And this has been a big deal throughout the whole family's history, right? They've always hated Joseph because Joseph was so obviously favored by dad. And so he wanted to see what was going on. Anyway, I, I tell you all that because it's this is the this is the climax, is what we're going to get to tonight. So they've had their meal and they had a good time. They the, the last sentence, the last verse in chapter 43, uh, verse 34 says, When portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's. So they feasted and drank freely with him. So they had a good time. Good time was had by all. So now we're in chapter 44. You're up to date. That didn't take too long, now did it? So would somebody like to read chapter 44 through verse 17? Yes. Wait. Wait for Mr. Microphone Man. 
Last, last week we talked about when uh, Joseph K. gave Benjamin uh, more than he gave the others. Mm -hmm. And uh, a thought came to me a while ago. He was the uh, baby brother, mm -hmm. so to speak. Yep. But also I was wondering if Joseph uh, remembered when he was young and how he was treated, and he didn't want Benjamin to be treated that way. Sure. You know, it's uh, an affirmation that Joseph loved his little brother. I'm sure he loved all his other brothers, but I think Benjamin was very special to him. I'm sure he was. Because he was the youngest. Well, he was his only real brother. The others were all half-brothers, right? He was the only other brother from the same mother. Okay. Yes. We were talking about, well, in this Bible it says, the firstborn according to his birthright, and we were talking about, is that yes. Benjamin? Well, we talked about that's that where Reuben? we left last week, was, was on that note, because uh, it's pretty obvious, you guys kind of convinced me, that the translation would say birthright, yeah. in which case the, the, the person, uh, let's see, because of the way we know things to work in terms of um, Joseph, I'm sorry, Jacob, favoring Rachel. Rachel was his wife. You could argue that the other three women in his life weren't his wife. It was Rachel that was his wife. And so Joseph was the, the uh, son with the birthright because it was the son of his wife. And then since Joseph was, quote, dead, unquote, you know, thought to be dead, then it would be Benjamin. So Benjamin yeah. would be the first. However, I'm not sure that that's really what happened, just because I don't know that the other brothers viewed it that way, and they would have had to kind of go along with it. Yeah. Uh, maybe they did. I don't yeah. know. Well, I, I was looking at some other, because this one does say firstborn according to his birthright, but other translations just say from the old, basically, yeah, birth order. of the youngest. So yeah. yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. That's a, It's a good question. John? I... <laughs> Well, yeah, what do you think, John? Do you think they were they were seated in the order of their birthright or in the order of their birth occurrence? Their age. Their age. Their age. Well, I think Mark brought it up. You know, if it was if it was if it was done by their age, it's not really all that impressive because I mean, assuming he, he could have guessed all their ages, it's possible that you know some of one child, one brother looks older than the other, who and really isn't. But I, I think it's. Well, I'm always looking for, for covenants and contracts and authorities and things like that, and so that's what I, that's what I took from it. And he's clearly got to be the youngest one, and there, it implied that he was the first one. Well, I don't know that it implied that he was the first one. How do you because he got the five, he got the lion's share of the... Uh, okay, I don't, I think, don't know. I, mean, I don't think it follows because he got five times as much as anybody else that he was the first. But let me say this. In terms of the difficulty of doing this, there really is only one, there's only one choice here. Benjamin either goes front of the line or the end of the line, right? He's either the guy that's going to have the birthright or he's going to be the littlest, littlest one of the bunch. There's no, he doesn't fit in the middle anywhere because he's clearly the last born. And the only way he would get the birthright is because Joseph is assumed to be dead. So 
those other five, from Reuben on down to whoever the next to the last one was, um, have were in order, no matter whether you put Benjamin over no, here not, or I'm Benjamin not, over there. No, I don't. That's reasonable that the rest of them were in an order of their yeah their uh, age. Yeah, but um, you know, the, he's the one. He's the 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 descendant of the covenant wife. Yep. Yep. So, and. Well, that, it's it's a big conspiracy because they're hiding it in the NIV. You can't see that if you well, see it in the yeah, King James. Like I say, you, that could be right. I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to go to the mat on that one. As as we like to say, luckily it's not that, a salvation. Was issue. that the question? Or yes, that was the question. Okay. So anyway, I I prefer to think of Benjamin as sitting at the end. Why the, the number? Front. Why the number five? That's my question. Oh, there's a good question. Why five times as much? I have no idea. We could ask all kinds of questions like that. Let's go on. That's my favorite. Moving right along, chapter 44. Does somebody want to read from verse 1 through verse 17? 44? Yeah, 44. Okay. And he commanded the one over his house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food, as they are able to bear, and put each man's silver in the mouth of his sack. And put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest, and the silver for his grain. And he did according to the word of Joseph, which he spoke. As soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away, they and their donkeys. When they had gone out of the city, not having gone far, Joseph said to the one over his house, Rise up, follow the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, why have you repaid evil for good? Is this not the one from which my master drinks and with which he, uh, he indeed divines? You have done evil in what you have done. So he, he overtook them and spoke these words to them. And they said to him, Why does the, my master say these words? Far be it from us that your servants should do according to this word. See, we brought back to you from the land of Canaan the silver which we found in the mouth of our sacks. How then should we steal silver or gold from your master's house? With whomever of your servants it is found, he shall die, and we shall become my master's slaves as well. And he said, Now also let it be according to your words. He with whom it is found becomes my slave, and you are innocent. And they hurried. Each man let down his sack to the ground, and each opened his sack. And he searched with the oldest first and with the youngest last, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. And they tore their garments, and each man loaded his donkey and went back to the city. And Yehuda and his brothers came to Joseph's house, and he was still there, and they fell before him on the ground. And Joseph said to them, What deed is this you have done? Did you not know that a man like me indeed divines? And Yehuda said, what do we say to my master? What do we speak? Or how do we clear ourselves? Elohim has found out the crookedness of your servants. See, we are my master's slaves, both we and he also with whom the cup was found. But he said, Far be it from me to do this. The man in whose hand the cup was found, he becomes my slave. And you go up in peace to your father. Oh, boy. This is, this man, this is... This is Hollywood all over the place. What a this is a climax, yeah. John. 
So we just got through going through the order, right? Mm -hmm. And they and they they did the same. They did a similar thing here. They went to the oldest to the youngest. Mm -hmm. So these it's different. It's different words. The oldest is gadol. Okay. And the youngest is katon. Okay. So it isn't about the baruch or. Uh, okay. The, birthright. The, yeah, the birthright. Okay. Pechor. Okay. okay. That's fine. Um, so what do you think about this divining thing? Yeah. That's where the Hebrew word is the nakash. Nakash? Yes. Okay. It's used there. So I think he's just trying to throw them off. Okay. Do you, so um, let, me, let me ask you this. Do you think Joseph was making it up about this is my divining cup, this is the cup I use to divine with? You don't think Joseph had anything to do with that? No. I don't know. I mean, I had an interesting note in my, you know, a, a not, let's see, a Christian study Bible, okay? And, and let me tell you what it says, and, and you guys can tell me whether it's just plain wrong or not. But it says here, the, the little blurb titled, what kind of divination did Joseph do? And then it says, this kind of divination was accomplished by placing oil drops upon water and observing the resulting Patterns, divining God's will through dreams and the budding of plants and sheep's fleeces and the casting of lots was not condemned in the Old Testament. People believed God was totally in control and spoke through these means. The Mosaic law does not forbid divination, but it condemns consulting the dead through mediums. Yeah, so that was kind of my, my feeling too, kind of, hmm, I don't know about that. I think I think it kind of forbids divination, so I think maybe I we got them here. I think you know I could write to the editor and say let me. Sh although I didn't take the trouble to go find the the place where it talks about that. I wonder if they practice divination then, since they figure yeah. it's. Okay. I just thought that was interesting. I think the main point here is the cup that Joseph stuck in Benjamin's sack was a valuable silver cup. You know whether it's a cup for divination. You know. Somewhat immaterial. What do you think? Well, well I think uh, what you're saying that it was a very valuable the silver goblet. Mm -hmm. But then, but Joseph said, "My, my goblet, yes. my cup, my cup." You know, and uh, I think that the the rulers would have the mo the very valuable got mm -hmm. cups. Thinking about uh, the, back in the New Testament. Where Hoshua, uh, uh, the they drink from the silver goblets or from the goblets, it's kind of like an authority. Oh sure. That there, but sure. he said my, it's yep. not what's anybody else, but yep. my cupboard yep. that you. Well, you know, one of the things that um, I, I sit here, I mull over these stories a lot. Um, you, do you see what their argument is? You know, whatever. Uh, Joseph Steward catches them, you know, catches up with them, and he says, you've stolen my master's special favorite cup, you know, his coffee cup with his picture on it or whatever. And, uh, and, and, and you know, and that's a terrible thing you've done. And they get, they're all upset. We didn't do that. We'd never do that. You know, he says, we even brought you back the silver that you put in our bag in the first place. Why on earth would we then steal something like that from you? Um, so... I thought, well, that's a, that's a great argument, but if it was something personal, something that, you know, 
theoretically, the story would go, well, old Benjamin really had to have some kind of souvenir to, to take back with him so he could remember what a special trip it was. So he just stole that cup. Uh, I don't know. You know. I just wonder what you think about their argument. And, and of course, this thing where he says um, in, let's see, verse 9, if in, this is Judah talking. If any of your servants is found to have it, that is the silver cup, he will die and the rest of us will become my Lord's slaves. Now, what? that's a typical example of an oath you shouldn't take or make, right? Because God has a way of making those. <laughs> okay, what were you going to say, Wanda? Sorry. Deuteronomy 18.10. Okay, what's it say? There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or daughter to pass through the fire or that uses divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch. Great. So we know the Torah better than the guy that edited this Bible. Right on. I like that. That makes me feel pretty good. So just the, the Hebrew word there is bane for what? divination. Okay. It's a, little, it's a different word. Different word than what? Nakash, which was what the ones that Joseph's cup was called. I the, see. The process he uses, whatever. Okay. Now I forgot like my question. Beg your pardon? Oh, I thought I forgot my question. So this, you asked about verse 9, was it? Uh-huh. This sounds like Jacob in regard to uh, Rachel. Yep. Right? Yeah. It's, uh, whoever whoever, whoever is, you find your idols here, you know, that person will your be... Yeah. Teflon or yeah, Teflon, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, you're <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, I know what you're talking about. We got one more coming. All right, this part um, is actually from Yasher, and uh, it expands a little bit more on the cup and talks about it being a silver beautifully inlaid with onyx stones and debellum. And uh, Yosef struck the cup in the sight of his brethren. Uh, basically saying that that's what he used to seat them in the correct order. Ah. Being some form of it's okay. seeing. So it's like a magic eight ball. Kind right, of. magic okay. eight ball, which yep. still ties to the Nakash because it is a divination act. Yeah. But he did it in their witness so that that they would physically see the cup. I see. And see that. that, okay. that so, so, so when he went searching for it, it was something that he had waved in front of them and made a great and big deal about yeah, well and not only that but that it. probably made its value more in the eyes of Benjamin had he been guilty absolutely which of course we know he wasn't but yeah mm -hmm. that's good um, what do you think about here it said um, okay John I have a correction I made an error oh no and my apologies to Wanda because <laughs> it says the divination was a different word for the use, the word they use in Deuteronomy 18.10, but the enchanter part is ah. the nakash okay. word. And that's also found in Leviticus 19.26, which says so it's the same thing. similar the thing. Similar thing. Okay, so you win. I was, I was on your side anyway. Verse 14 says, Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in, and they threw themselves to the ground before him. Now, that then ought to be 
the fulfillment of the dream that Joseph had when he was a young, young man, right? The one that made his brothers hate him so much, or at least all the more is what it said. Yeah. Almost, but you don't have the father bowing down like well, no, But John that was said. the second dream. The first dream, this was the sheaves of wheat ah, dream. Okay. The father's right. bowing. Yeah, you're right. We don't have that yet, but that's coming. Um, and then, finally, verse 17 is the clincher. That's man. So Joseph says to Judah, he says, Oh, no, far be it for me to do such a thing. Only the man who was found to have the cup will become my slave. The rest of you guys can go back to your dad in peace. Well, I mean, all of them are bound to kind of cringe a little bit at that, but Judah especially, right? Because he's the one that made the big deal to his dad, said, look, you can hold me personally responsible if I don't bring him back to you. So Judah's not real happy about this. I mean, I could, personally, it's really easy for me to, to feel him just kind of just being crushed at that. So would you consider this Joseph's doing another test, a second test? I mean, have they already done past one test or no? No, no. Um, this is the big test. To me, this is the big test. To me, this is where, you know, he's got them in a situation where they, are, they can abandon their brother and go on about their business, lie to their dad, and other than the fact that they're one less brother around, uh, they can well, get away with it. It's not just one less brother. It's the brother from the covenant wife, yeah, the, the son yeah. of the covenant wife. Yeah. That's the brother that's... They would be encouraged, you would think, if they were thinking worldly anyway, Yep. they would be encouraged to say, oh, just too bad. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. Nice the, knowing yeah, you. The, our future looks much different now, right, is what they could say. So this is, yeah, I think this is the ultimate test. He's, he's basically giving them the opportunity to do to Benjamin what they did to him. Essentially what they did. So that's why this next part is so cool. So I, I get to read that since I do this. So I'm going to read from verse 18 to the end of the chapter. This, then Judah went up to him and said, Please, my Lord, let your servant speak a word to my Lord. Do not be angry with your servant, though you are equal to Pharaoh himself. My Lord asked his servants, Do you have a father or a brother? And we answered, We have an aged father, and there is a young son born to him in his old age. His brother is dead. And he is the only one of his mother's sons left, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me so I can see him for myself. And we said to my Lord, The boy cannot leave his father. If he leaves him, his father will die. But you told your servants, Unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him what my Lord had said. And then our father said, Well, go back and buy a little more food. And we said, we cannot go down. Only if our youngest brother is with us will we go. We cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons. One of them went away from me, and I said, He has surely been torn to pieces. And I have not seen him since. If you take this one from me too, and harm comes to him, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in misery. This is Judah talking. So now... If the boy is not with us when I go back to your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, sees that the boy isn't there, he will die. 
Your servants will bring the gray-haired head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all my life. Now then, please, let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy. Let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come upon my father. I mean, that's a, that's a heart-rending speech, right? It's Judah that did that. Judah, it's important that we know it was Judah that did it because he's probably the only one of these guys that seems to have a clue. But what are your thoughts about that? Yes. This is the tear-dropping part that mm -hmm. I'm withholding it right now, but yep. if I read it at home yep. with the emotion that I believe it would be said with, yep. yeah, that, that's hard to hear. Yeah. Well, you know, Judah sat there, and when Joseph made this thing, no, 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 I'll just keep the guy that told, took the cup. You The rest of you guys can go back. Man, I would have just been crushed, and he said that. He says, I can't go back. Keep me. I'll stay, but send him back with his brothers. So... Now, obviously, one of, one of the things we learn in, through all this, and I know you know it as well as all the rest is, is Joseph's a great type of Yeshua. And this is a great uh, story to show what, how God feels about Yeshua and about what he was willing to do uh, on our behalf. You know, so it's, it's really important. It shows how much he loves us. He loves us as much as Judah loved Okay, I can't even tell where it is. I'm not real crazy about these things. So he really, lay, he really lays the guilt trip on, even though he doesn't know that who he's speaking to is Joseph. Where does it say that? Footnote uh, F. Do, do, do. Where does it say that he will surely die oh, if he doesn't um, come back? Yeah, it's uh, verse 31. It shall come to pass that he that when he seeth that his lad is not with us, that he he will die, and the servant shall bring down the grave hair of his of hairs of thy servant our fathers with sorrow to the grave. So that's really laying the guilt trip on. Joseph. Well, yes. I mean, he's, he's, he doesn't know, he's not intentionally doing the guilt trip thing, but I'm just saying that's got to hit Joseph hard. Well, sure, sure. As a matter of fact, we find out, of course, that it does hit Joseph really hard. But what that does also, to me, it shows that when Judah, when, they, when the boys all got together and you know, threw him in the pit and sold him to the slave traders and came up with this cockamamie thing about the, he was torn by a lion or whatever, they went back and told their dad, and I think they were not prepared for the grief that their dad was going to have, nor were they prepared for how long-lasting this was going to be, which was basically 30 years. Oh, and they had to, I, I don't know how they kept the secret, personally. I guess they had, you know, all the, each of them threatened to murder him if they gave away the secret. But uh, Joseph, or Jake, Judah just said, I can't do that again. Right. I, I won't do that again. Right. I, would rather, I would rather die myself than do that to my dad. A so, couple other points. 
Yehuda calls Yosef his Lord seven times by my count. Okay. And he references when Yehuda pleads his case to Joseph, he does he does so not on behalf of himself, but to his father Jacob, which he mentions fifteen times. Yeah. Plus six times in pronouns. Of course, this is a uh, perfect example of what Yeshua said. The, I think this is paraphrasing, but it's pretty much this. It was that there's no greater love has one man for another than that he gives his life for his friend. Because that's what Judah's doing here. That's what he's offering to do. He's saying, I'll stay. I'll be your slave. Send this guy back. Send my little brother back. Yeah. Yeah. I, earlier we had read that Judah had went to reside away from his brothers after this whole thing yep. took place. Yep. So there may have been, like you say, not only the change of heart, but seeing how it affected their mm -hmm. father. He just didn't want to yeah. deal with that. And so, um, so yeah, I, I think his heart wrenching speech was very legit. It was, it was sincere. And it makes you wonder what the other, 11 of them or 10 of them were. We'll talk about that in a while. We'll go on to that some more. But anyway, I think it's interesting to note that, you know, they, they, they've, over the years, they've divided the Torah into these Torah portions. Each portion lasts so long. This is the end of the Torah portion. Right there. So, uh, when, uh, that is, you know, when, when Joseph says, no, you guys, I'll keep your brother, you go on back. That's the end of the Torah portion. <laughs> Yes, so it's a real cliffhanger. Tune in next week, folks. I, I was wondering, uh, when Joseph kept Benjamin and all their brothers were away, and I was wondering how Joseph treated uh, Benjamin, how he, uh, we don't know, the scripture doesn't say anything about that. But it that. wasn't Benjamin that they kept. But I thought it was. No, you, are you mean the first time? Yeah, the first time. It was, no, it was Simeon. Benjamin Sim didn't come the first okay, time. Okay, now when was Benjamin kept? Well, he wasn't kept ever. He okay. was he was offered to be kept here, but Judah said, "Don't do it." Okay, he says I, I'll, I, I'll, I'd rather be. I'd rather take Benjamin's place. My, my apologies. That's okay. No problem. Somewhere uh, it it says I can't quite think where Judah. Is the leader amongst his brothers? Let's talk uh, about that a bit. And uh, this seems to be the like the moment, the defining moment, because mm -hmm. uh, you think you know the the kings line of kings, and eventually Yahushua mm -hmm. came from the line of Judah, mm -hmm. and so this has to be like that defining moment mm -hmm. where you know Yahweh mm -hmm. says you're the guy. Yep. Notwithstanding birthright, <clears throat> if you look at uh, Jacob's sons, Reuben was the firstborn, okay? and then there was Simeon and Levi, then there was Judah. Now, we'll read toward the end of Genesis where all those first three did a, you know, one or more bonehead maneuvers that basically got them kind of uh, kicked out of the contest, so to speak. Now, these bonehead maneuvers that they pulled, these stunts, let's say, were a product of their character, right? I mean, that's, that's the kind, somehow or another, that's the kind of men they were. 
Judah is the first one of the bunch that seems to have character that could be pleasing to God. I mean, I'm, I'm, this is me kind of just laying all this out. But it was Judah that, that like you say, he, he took things seriously and he seemed to have just a little bit more together. The other guys were kind of like, it's too much trouble. Go ahead. Well, the Torah goes into the detail that he lost two sons. So he, he's, he understands the father losing of his good son. Good point. That's right. Right? That's a good point. And God just said, he killed him. And he killed the other one. Yeah. Not much commentary yeah, yeah. on it. You're referring to um, Onan and Er. Or, Tamar. Yeah, yeah. I love the story yeah. with Tamar. Tamar, the, the one that, who basically her first two husbands died. Right. Yeah. And they, just, those were all sons of Jacob, or Judah. We talked about the, the uh, fulfilling of the prayer and also his father bowing down. I don't know if this is a good... No, no, I don't think... I, don't, I think that comes whenever well, the whole family goes to Egypt. Okay, but I'm, here it says, it's interesting, in ver, uh, verse 31, it shall come to pass that he seeth... We just read that one. It shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant, our father. So and maybe it doesn't work out that way in the Hebrew, but it's saying uh, your servant. Or he's he's calling your servant our father. Yeah, he's, he's calling Jacob Joseph's servant. Right. But, but I I think a lot of that is just the kind of speech that goes on when someone of a very low station in life is addressing someone in a powerful position. Because if you know, it can get confusing, really, as you're kind of reading it. But I think he's just being as polite as possible. Um, yeah, diplomatic. That's my opinion. But, but that's, I mean, that's fine. But I'm just saying it says it right. It, it, that's it, what it says. Yeah. So uh, you yep. can. And yep. I don't like he says maybe fair. maybe in the Hebrew it doesn't or the actual Hebrew doesn't come out that way. But he says calls him his his father is Joseph's servant. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so I wanted to make sure go through all that so that. Does anybody have anything else that, that's kind of struck them about that? Because to me, that's about the key, key thing here in this whole story. Okay, let's go on. Uh, chapter 45. Um, somebody want to read the first 14 verses of chapter 45? Great, Linda. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not, therefore, be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For those two years, for these two years, the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God said, sent me before you to preserve life a posterity for you in the earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. 
and he has made me a father to Pharaoh, and a lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Hurry, and go up to my father, and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made him lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, and do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near to me, you and your children, and your children's children, your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty, for there are still five years of famine. And behold, your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. So you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen, and you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept on his neck. Okay. One more verse says, and I, I lied to you. you anyway, it says, and he kissed all his brothers and wept over them, and afterward his brothers talked with him. So this is the big reveal, as they like to say, right? Um, and it says in the beginning of the chapter there, Joseph could no longer control himself. And so I got a, a kick out of what you said. Um, in verse 3, Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him, and mine said, because they were terrified at his presence. Yours said dismayed. But um, dismayed is a little softer than terrified. Terrified may not be good, but what do you think? What do you think is going on there? It says they couldn't say anything. I was like, they're, they're, yeah, their jaw was on the ground. They're they're struggling to take in what they've just been told, right? This is a roller coaster ride. Yeah. I mean, you got this whole thing. You go with the cup. Mm -hmm. You come back. You yeah. were thought to be slaves, and yep. this whole guy. Yep. And you're talking to the Wizard of Oz, and all of a sudden he says, "Hey guys, I'm from Kansas. Yep. I'm related to you." It's like no. <laughs> That's a yep. hard one. Yep. Yeah, I was looking at uh, verse five, and uh, it said, uh, "Now he was be not depressed." He's talking to his brothers. Yep. Now reproach yourself for being so me here, for it was to be a provider that God has sent me ahead of you. And I was thinking how God today gives uh, provides for us that things happen. We think it's uh, a negative, but it's a provider for God. And th at the last, when the end of this uh, age world comes and Shua comes back, he's the provider for us. I've, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because it's something that I think a lot about. I mean, Joseph, um, Joseph is truly an amazing person to be able to say that. And it occurred to me that, you know, like we talked about this before, how, how he's down there working for Potiphar as a slave, you know, and he's asking God, you know, what did I do wrong? What did I do to deserve this? You know? And then he gets accused of trying to seduce his wife and gets thrown in prison. And he says, I'm, I'm pretty sure I didn't do anything to deserve this. You know? And so his life is just getting worse and worse and worse. And he, he's trying, this is just me talking, but he's trying to understand from God what, uh, what's going on here. You know, why, why is this happening? And then the day he gets pulled out 
know, to Pharaoh's court and washed off with a garden hose and asked to interpret the dream. And his life goes from way over here to way over here in an hour or whatever, you know. And then he finds himself sleeping on, you know, satin sheets with, you know, beautiful palace around and this good-looking wife and a couple of nice boys and everything. So he has a chance to kind of put this all back together again. And at least he feels like his faith in God wasn't misplaced. So as he sits there and mulls that over for the seven years of plenty, um, he's probably come to this conclusion. He's probably come to the fact that, well, you know, what am I doing here? Well, I'm busy administering the, the wealth of Egypt so that the entire population doesn't die of starvation during the famine. And uh, maybe that's what God had in mind all along, you know? And, and so I guess I don't know where I'm going with all this other than to say, I, this is reasonable. Now, it might not be reasonable for him to have said that if he were still in prison although I suppose he could have. But, you know, he's seen now. He's seen what's happened, and he's seen that God, that having faith in God is, is justified. And so he can say, uh, you know, it was to save you and others, a remnant of the people is what mine says. Uh, God sent, this is verse 7, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So, uh, he's able to see the role he plays in God's plan, uh, in spite of the fact that it took, would we to calculate something like 14 years worth of pretty miserable activity to get there. What do you think about that? Done. I want to talk about something else, so okay. I don't know. What, I don't want to cut <laughs> off the flow if someone has a comment on it. Okay. I, that's fine. I don't think anybody does. I was, I was enjoying it more than anybody. That's on YouTube. You can watch it again. <laughs> so I said uh, in 31, there was an example of him calling his father a servant of, of Joseph. Mm -hmm. It says it again in 24. And it came to pass, when we came upon thy servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. Now it's interesting. There's a footnote. I don't really buy it, but... Oh, come on. Why am I having trouble finding these footnotes? Never mind. Anyway, there's there's a commentary that in in some Talmudic source that says Joseph by not interfering, but not by not correcting Judah and saying that. He lost 10 years of his life. Because he doesn't live as old as Jacob does. So anyway, I don't know. I just, but, but, the cool thing I think is that this chapter has one standalone olive top, and it's in that verse. And it says, And it came to pass, when we came unto thy servant, my father, we told him, standalone olive top, the words of my Lord. So I just find that interesting there, that the, Placement, and it goes back to I think what Mark talked about last time. Uh, For I say unto you, you shall not hear henceforth till you say, "Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord." Mm -hmm. Anyway, okay. That interesting. Yeah. 
Uh, there's a few more Aleph Tavs than just that single one. Oh, okay. Uh. What, um, so what was the first thing after Joseph says, it's me, ha, ah, Joseph, I'm alive, you know, and his brothers are sitting there, uh, gobsmacked, the term we used to use in New Zealand, they're gobsmacked. Um, so what's his next thing? He says, what's the first thing he says after it's me, I'm Joseph? Does my father live? Yeah, is my father still alive? Well, of course he knows that. I mean, you know, he's, he's basically, uh, this is the thing that's, that's um, next on his heart, you know, is uh, I want to I see my, my father again. Then he goes on, what's the next thing he says? Hurry, bring him. Well, he Go. does, but he says, don't be upset with yourself. You know, don't, don't sweat this. Uh, basically, it's like, I've forgiven you, you know, um, we're going to talk more about this, but I mean, it's, it's kind of like, don't, let's not make a big deal about the past here, let's talk about, you know, how we're going to proceed from here. And so, then he goes into the, it's been two years of famine, it's going to be five more, you know, and everybody, a lot of people are going to die, and you need to bring uh, dad and the, the rest of the gang here. So we see that uh, Joseph asks this question about his brothers. Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing that's what the prodigal son said when he was coming back home. How's, he, he's pondering in his head, how's my dad? So is this something Ephraim or Yosef should be saying to his brother Judah when he encounters his brother? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. There's a lot of forgiving to be going along on that one. So what's the question on the floor? Because I have another comment. Well, go ahead with your comment. There's no question on the floor. Well, we brought up five, right? Why did he get five portions? Mm -hmm. And it mentions twice in this chapter that the famine will go on for another five years. Now, I don't know if that's just coincidence, but well, interesting comparison. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, interesting comparison. He goes on, he says, um, verse 8, so then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen. Be near me. So um, one of the things that I pondered, I don't know if this is a good place to talk about it, but it's as good as any, is uh, why didn't Joseph say, come on, I'll go back with you. Let's go off and see what dad's doing. Hmm? I think you brought it up at one time that even though he was in a position of authority, he was still in a servant position, yeah. in a servant role. Yeah. You just don't depart from the servant role and leave it and go yeah. do whatever you want. Well, I think that's part of it. I also think he's... Probably got a pretty big job here that he's working on. But yeah, that, that's the kind of stuff I want. But it just occurred to me, why didn't he just say, well, I'll go down and see you. you know, I, got, I got a nice car. I can, you know, I'll sweat. Yeah, I, I was thinking uh, when uh, 
Joseph asked this first question, how's my father doing? Uh, is, uh, re the, Joseph and his father had a special relation, I believe, because of the many coats that Joseph's uh, father gave him mm -hmm. when he was, what, 17 years old? Mm -hmm. But then uh, I think uh, because of that love for his father, because that love that was always there, mm -hmm. That's the first thing with Joe is saying, how's my father? Yeah. Is he still alive? Yep. Yep. And I think part of that would come from the fact that he has probably been thinking all these years, I wonder what my father thinks happened to me. You know? I'd be wondering that. Well, yeah. Was the question about uh, why didn't he go back? Yeah. Was that your question? Yeah, well, it was why, it just occurred to me, why didn't he say, come on, let's go back. And Well, he's still got five years of famine. Was yep. he going to go back and starve with his brothers? Yeah, there's that, yeah, <laughs> because sure. he has responsibilities also. That's the main thing, I think, you know, yeah, he I has mean, responsibilities. He was yep. a... Yep. Why wouldn't the Pharaoh just say, have him come here? What yeah, do you, why do you well, as a matter of fact, that's what he says. You're, and, and that's a practical response. It is practical, and not only that, but Joseph probably knows him well enough to know that that's what he'll say. Right? Even He even predicted where he, they'd be able to settle. Ocean. Yes? Some of the definitions of that word, uh, my father's still alive, mm -hmm. there could mean lively, active, and so on. So it may not just mean, is he dead or not, because he knew from the conversation that he wasn't that he dead. Wasn't dead. Yeah. But it may have had a deeper meaning to that. Yeah, yeah. How, well? How, how well is he doing? Yeah. Yeah, I understand. That's a good point. I think it's interesting that Joseph refers to himself as a father to Pharaoh. Yeah. Do we know how old Pharaoh was? Well, uh, no, we do not. On the other hand, we know Joseph wasn't very old. I mean, he was in his 30s. So... Um, I, 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 that's a very good point. I don't really know what that means. I just thought it was a kind of a turn of phrase. Uh, whenever he said father to Pharaoh, I think in essence what he's basically saying is he comes to me for wise advice. He comes to me for, for the wisdom of someone older. But I'm making that up. Um, dovetail on what Paul was saying. I wonder if this is similar because remember when uh, Isaac hears about the revelation that Jacob stole the birthright. Mm -hmm. He was like, I mean, dumbfounded. He was probably as bad as these guys were. Yeah. And he's, I got the impression that his, you know, it, it resurrected or added on, extended onto his life. And I'm wondering if Joseph is going to, or Jacob is going to hear the same thing when he hears about the uh, Joseph lives. Yeah. Yeah. After he hears that. Yeah, that's a good point. A comment regarding a father. One of the definitions also in the Hebrew is the head or founder of a household group, family, or clan. So in a sense, Yosef had become the head of Pharaoh's household group because he was taking care of all their affairs. Okay. And so he became a father to Pharaoh, whether we take that. In a figurative sense. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things, if I were one of the brothers, one of the things that I would be having the most difficulty with 
uh, would be, you know, how come, how come he's not more angry? You know, how come he doesn't have a whole bunch of resentment for us? How can he do this? How can he just let us off the hook like that? You know, um, that would be a hard thing for, for a guilt-ridden person to deal with. Because he outlined it in his response, saying that it was Yah's will. Yeah. And so he had a plan that was greater than, yeah. than their plan. And you are exactly right, of course. But somehow or another, it's one thing to hear that, and it's another thing to believe it. He experienced it through what he was delivered from while he was in Mitzrayim. Yeah. And so another part, too, when he put his faith in um, that one that was in the, the jail that uh-huh. mentioned something to... To, um, Pharaoh for me. Yep. Yeah, he put his faith in a man and not in Yahweh and seeking him, yeah. guidance from him. So. Yep. I, I agree with you. I guess the, the real issue, though, is I could understand how his brothers would have difficulty understanding that. But because they, they've been sitting there being guilty about this for 30 years, 20 years. He addressed it appropriately, though, with that, because it got them thinking on that, too, yeah. that plan was greater than their plan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think basically they had no choice but to believe it. Yeah. But it would have been tough for me. That's all I'm saying. I'll tell you the real interesting thing to think about. When they go back home, what do you think they talked about how they're going to tell dad? Yeah, I think uh, one of the reasons why uh, Joseph uh, reacted the way he did is that uh, he, he knew that uh, he had the authority and that he also had spiritual insight. I would imagine that through the years that there was some maturity with Joseph. Well, clearly. And uh, that uh, he understood he had spiritual insights that what God was doing. I'm sure that God was talking to him through these years and... Uh, uh, making things work out for him. So he had the advantage of uh, seeing God's provision where his brothers did not. I think you're probably right, but I think you'd need to be the kind of person that would be looking for it. Go ahead. Well, the, the issue does not go away because when Jacob does die, it comes back up. Oh, yeah. In, at the end of the book. So yeah. there's still probably a little bit of trepidation on their part, yeah. thinking that it would, so he has to reassure them once more. Yep, yep. Well, we'll, we'll, more than once. Yeah, more than once we'll run into that. And what it basically boils down to is it's pretty clear from everything we'll read from now on that Joseph has forgiven them. But not so clear that they have forgiven themselves. Again, they don't have the clarity of the of mens rea, the guilt, the guilt trip. They don't. They can't think clear. They still can't quite figure it out. Yeah. I also would assume that it's easier for the one when when the relationship gets repaired, the one that does the forgiving is easier to handle that because it. I mean, I'm assuming that they've already had that in their mind. They're just waiting for the opportunity opportunity to to uh, give the forgiveness. It's the one who's asking for the forgiveness is is in the is in the harder position as far as. Uh, I see what you're saying completely. Yeah, I see what you're saying. 
I mean, you know, one of the things, and I don't want to beat this horse to death. It's almost dead now, but not quite. The, um, you can imagine Joseph laying there in his prison cell, you know, wondering, what did I ever do to deserve this? And thinking to himself, man, if I ever see those guys again, I'm going to, you know, knock their blocks off. But he, he must, he probably thought that a little bit, but it didn't take him long to figure out that, well, what point is there to that? You know, what's that going to accomplish? And so he, and he had plenty of time to think this all through. And so if he was open to God, God would have helped him kind of work that through in his own heart where he could realize that the only thing, the only good thing he could do was forgive him. Anything else is going to make his life more miserable. Yeah. Well, the horse isn't dead yet, so I'll beat it a little more. Um, <laughs> like you mentioned, his brothers have had 30 years of guilt and secret. Mm-hmm. They had to keep that secret. They yeah. kept the secret. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to do oh, when, yeah. you, when you transgress like that and you try to keep it secret. Oh, yeah. Yosef, on the other hand, had favor that those around him recognized you have God's favor. Yeah. So that faith building in itself, when other people who have other gods come to you and say, wow, your God must be doing something great yep. because everything you do is blessed. Yep. So that's a completely different environment. On yep. the, you know, For yep. him to have matured and trusted in that is because he lived it yep. and his brothers didn't. That's fair. That's fair. Um, let's see. We'll go on here. Would someone like to read from 16 to the end of chapter 45? Okay, I will. Um, Starting in verse 16. When the news reached Pharaoh's palace that Joseph's brothers had come, Pharaoh and all his officials were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, do this. Load your animals and return to the land of Canaan and bring your father and your families back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you can enjoy the fat of the land. You are also directed to tell them, do this. Take some carts from Egypt for your children and your wives. Get your father and come. Never mind about your belongings because the best of all Egypt will be yours. So the sons of Israel did this. Joseph gave them carts as Pharaoh had commanded and he also gave them provisions for their journey. And to each of them, he gave new clothing, but to Benjamin, he gave 300 shekels of silver and five sets of clothes. And this is what he sent to his father, 10 donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt, 10 female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and other provisions for his journey. Then he sent his brothers on the way. And as they were leaving, he said to them, don't quarrel on the way. So they went up out of Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. And they told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he's the ruler of all Egypt. Jacob was stunned. He did not believe them. But when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts that Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of their father Jacob was revived. Israel said, I'm convinced my son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. That's a pretty happy ending, right? Uh, but there's a lot of fun stuff in there. Like that verse 24, that little thing there, you know. Then he sent his brothers on their way, and as they were leaving, he said, don't quarrel on the way. <laughs> uh, what do you think? 
what could they have to quarrel about? Well, I think we ought to tell Dad we didn't we didn't know how this happened. I don't know. Uh, this is just a small detail that kind of lines up in, in Yasher again. Uh, the carts that they were actually given were like the Pharaoh's royal chariots. Oh, I'm sure. So they were like really elegant. They were yeah, and Cadillacs, gold-plated with, Cadillacs. With spinners yeah, yeah. and everything. Spin, yeah. Spinners, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure that once once Jacob saw all that stuff, he goes, ooh, something, something's going on here. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. You know, I, I think one of the reasons why I uh, said don't quarrel among yourself, I would imagine that there was... You're, you're the one that did all this. You're the one, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't want this to happen, but you're the one that did this. Mm-hmm. It was argument, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't do it. No, you did it, you know. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I mean, you know, I could see at least one of them saying, well, you know, this was primarily your fault. Right? One of them would say that. You got to, I mean, imagine them actually trying to start the conversation. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I hadn't thought about it, but imagine, you know, when they come pulling up with all these, you know, gold-plated Cadillacs and all this other kind of stuff, you know, the cat's out of the bag. They're going to have to come up with a pretty good story, right? Yeah. Go ahead, John. Uh, I like this in 26. And told him, saying, Yosef is yet alive, and he's governor over all the land of Egypt, and there's unicorns and and, and leprechauns and, uh, leprechauns and <laughs> rainbows and, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, yeah. Joseph's got or Jacob's got to be gone. What are you guys smoking? This yeah. is not, yeah. you know, quit, quit messing around with me. Like it says, that. but when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, so that implies he kind of told the whole story. And when he saw the cards that Joseph had sent, then he believed. That's okay. This is the, at the end of that, I don't know what it says, I forgot what yours says. The spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Yes, that's what mine says. Which sounds a lot like Isaac, it seems to me. I don't know if it says that directly, but. Yes, well, you know, it, uh, I don't think it says that in uh, the story about Isaac. Well, I guess I was, I was speculating and that's what, at well, that it, point. It, it does kind of make sense because you remember when Isaac was doing this passing out of the blessing thing, he, he wanted to do it. Bridge. Yeah, he wanted to do it because he do it before he died. Right. He lived another 30, 40 years. I forgot what it was, but a long darn time. So you can't read this anywhere, but I imagine this in my head. They're talking and saying this, and they got all the bling, and all he says is, "Okay, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where's Benjamin? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you bring him back? Yeah, I'm sure there's something to that. Another thing I think that's worth noting in this passage is um, Pharaoh's response. Right? I mean, Pharaoh's response could have been, well, that's all well and good, but you know, deal with it on your own time. You know, you get your two weeks vacation if you can't handle it during that, you know. But Pharaoh was he was happy for him. He says, Man, go get him. Take my car. Take take them all kinds of stuff. Bring them back. We'll give them everything that tell them don't worry about their belongings because they can have better stuff when they get here. Ooh, there's a sneaky little hook if you wanted to be cynical. Yep. As because to why my, they my question is after the famine, just five years away, why didn't they go back? That's the promised land. Yep. We'll talk about that. Okay, well, it says right here, I, the verse you brought up. Mm-hmm. Also, regard not, your, regard not your stuff. For the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. I'm giving you all this land. Yeah. So 
You know, there's no strings attached. Yeah, well, yeah, there's yeah, always yeah, strings yeah. attached. Sure there is. There's yep. no such thing as a free lunch. Milton yep. Friedman. Pan Staffel. I think one reason why uh, Favreau was doing all this, it was a feather in Favreau's hat. Here he's put this man, Joseph, in charge of all this. Now he's saying, uh, well, you did such a good job, and uh, uh, here's what you can do, you know, give your father and family all the best of the land, whatever. But it's really a ploy, I think, of Favreau that is like uh, he was rewarding Joseph for something and it was making Pharaoh looks good in the eyes of his people. Well, I'm sure there's something to that, but I tell you what, I think, um, I think it's real clear that Joseph was held in high regard, certainly by Pharaoh and by most of the people in Egypt, for that matter. I mean, granted, we're only hearing a little bit of the story, but uh, Pharaoh didn't do this. I mean, he did it, if you will, primarily out of the goodness of his own heart, because he wanted to, you know? Yeah, I, I was impugning his character that, that that could be that way. But he, you know, there's always unintended consequences oh, yeah. of things that happen. So well, I, I agree with you that Pharaoh, this Pharaoh anyway, is, you know, very, very much looking out for and on the side of Joseph. So One of the things we are going to read about before we finish this is that um, the course of the famine, the basically the rest of the course of the famine enables Pharaoh to end up owning everything. You know, he ends up owning everything, including the people. And so um, I've often wondered, it's fairly long and detailed the way it all works out, and I've often wondered why God put it in there, and I think maybe it's just to learn from. But anyway. Um, so really, how do you think they told their dad? Do you think they told their dad about throwing him in the pit and selling him to the Ishmaelite traders? I don't think that's the first thing that came up. I think this was just overwhelming. That story would come out sometime later, yeah. I'm sure. But right now, it's like we got chariots, horsemen, and yeah. everybody, and they said, grab your stuff and come on yeah, back. Yeah. Basically, Joseph is Never there. mind about that. Let's just yeah. go take advantage yeah. of this. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll deal with the details later. Yeah. It never says. We never, we never really hear. But uh, I'm... Uh, let's see, under the surface here is implied that uh, Jacob himself must have somehow or another been able to get over the fact that these guys were, I, I keep calling them knuckleheads, which is, I think is a fair description. Uh, but, you know, Jacob could have been, Jacob's not one, let's see, he doesn't mind holding long-standing grudges. <laughs> so he, he could have definitely been irritated at these guys, but it doesn't sound like he... Felt like he's getting old. As he gets old, he realizes, ah, one of these days it'll be over with anyway. Okay, moving right along. Anything else? Let's go to chapter 46. New red letter here. We're moving faster. This is a very exciting chapter. So, does somebody want to read 46? Let's see. Well, let's just read through verse 7. The first seven verses of chapter 46 is no big deal. 1 through 7? Verse, the first seven. And Israel set out with all that he had and came to Beersheba and slaughtered slaughterings to the Elohim of his father, Yitzhak. 
And Elohim spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. And he said, I am the El, Elohim of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Mitzrayim, for I shall make you there into a great nation. I myself am going down with you to Mitzrayim, and I myself shall certainly bring you up again. And let Joseph put his hand on your eyes. And Jacob rose up from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel brought their father Jacob and their little ones and their wives in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to transport him. And they took their livestock and their property, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, and came into Mitzrayim, Jacob and all his seed with him, his sons and his sons' sons, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his seed he brought with him to Mitzrayim. Okay. So, uh, first of all, uh, in just reading, there's so much you can, if you just stop and kind of take a look at this, it says, so Israel, in other words, they called him Israel and not Jacob, and we've, there's some significance to when they do that, but they called him Israel, and set out with all that was his when he reached Sheva, and offered sacrifices there. Now, if he, this tells you where he came from, if he set out and went to Beersheba. Anybody? I don't have a map. I should have got a map. Yes. This is the second time that uh, God said, I am the God. Uh, the first time was at Mount Sinai when he was losing, uh, introducing himself to the people of Israel. Well, that's not the first time because no. this is before that. Huh? This is before that. Oh, before that? Yeah, well, that hasn't happened okay, yet. Okay, well, anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's another time when God said, I'm the God of your father. Okay. Okay, I'll buy that. The, um, where did they come from? Hebron? Hebron. Good answer. <laughs> As he walks beside you, yeah. It's, he, they, Hebron's north of Beersheba. So you, I, I should have got the message. You come from road. Hebron, you're basically going south. It's basically south southwest. Beersheba's out in the middle of the desert, and then Beersheba down through the Gaza Strip and around the corner down there and heading west takes you to the Nile Delta. And it's not very far, really. Yeah. Uh, well, it is interesting that when it says he offers sacrifices to the Elohim of his his father, yeah, Isaac. Yeah, that is interesting. What do you think? A couple well, things I, there. Well, I was wondering why he didn't include Abraham. That's a good question. Uh, but maybe uh, it's just I don't know more personal for him because yeah, Isaac is his father. Isaac is his father. That I, I, that's a good question. The I, I've become very comfortable with this. Somebody ever asked me, you know, what are your religious beliefs? I mean, I say I believe and worship the father of Abraham, Abraham Isaac, Isaac, and, and Jacob. Jacob. Yeah. And I think that's a very common way, a very, very specific way to identify who we're talking about. Yeah. And even though uh, it says that Elohim spoke to Israel, yep. he calls him by his name Jacob. Yeah. Two times. Yeah. That is John, does that have any significance? Two times? <laughs> I was going to comment on that. 
Well, yeah, I think it, it happens with Abraham too, right? Abraham, Abraham. Yes. And that happens a couple times. Yep. I don't know about with Isaac. Jacob, Jacob, here I am. I think Abraham like, said the same thing. Here I am. You must be hard of hearing. What? I, I don't know. That's, there's, a, there's something to that. You're or right. there's two people speaking, possibly? Or, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. The other thing, too, is in uh, Stephen, when he's about ready to get martyred, yes. Acts 7, he that's goes... A great, mm-hmm. huh? that's, that's a great chapter. Are you going to bring that up? No, no, no. You go right ahead. Acts 7 is always something you ought to look at anytime you get a chance. Well, there's... The, the, the brother Judas says, oh, he doesn't know how to add right. And, you know, depending on how if you add the patriarchs yeah. or not. But anyway, the money Judah brought at this point up. Judah, uh, Judaism forgets to add, and I, let's see, where for I will uh, there make the great nation, I will go down with you. Yep. So is that a thing we count? Do we count God or not? Well, I, 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 I know where you're getting at. Now, to be, to be totally correct about it, we haven't gotten there yet, okay. but that's neither here nor there. The, uh, I think what it says is it talks about people that went down or souls that went down. Um, verse 26, and I would point out we're not there yet. Verse 26 says, well, All those who four. went to Egypt with Jacob, those were his direct descendants, not counting his sons' wives, numbered 66 persons. Yeah, but in four it says, I will go down with you. Yeah, okay, so, so the, that's not one of those 66. Yeah, I think it seems like Matthew had 75 or, or, or Stephen had whatever. It, but it, this is the one that I think that the point Monty Judah was making anyway. They're not, they're not, and it kind of makes sense because Judaism doesn't want to deal with God in the flesh, that that okay. idea that you know, okay, the father is a spiritual, but the son is is in is in the flesh, or the one that's yeah. being spoken of here, and the one that Moses spoke to in the tabernacle. I just find it interesting. It says, "I will go down with you." Yes. So when we go to account him, do yes. we count him in our accounting or not? Because if you don't, it's kind of like, why aren't you counting this one? Okay, that's fine. I think there's another reason for saying, I will go down with you, and that is that most of the gods of that time and age didn't, wouldn't do that. Those gods lived in a specific place. When you went from one place to another place, you went to different gods because the gods stayed in one place. And this, our God's different. Well, when, when Jacob first encounters God, remember in, Be- yep. in Bathsheba, or no, Bethel. Bethel, yep. God is here too? Yeah, wow, that's right. That? Yeah. Wow, he's mobile. Yeah. He's yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So there's part of that. Um, but it's very encouraging, I think, that he said, um, do not be afraid to go to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. Now, why would Jacob be afraid to go to Egypt? Let me put this another way, kind of trying to lead you to where I'm going. Um, what one thing characterizes Abraham's life more than anything? What his God told him, go to the land, I will show you, and then stay there. Whenever he wanted a, son, uh, a wife for his son Isaac, he said, go up and get one from, uh, from my relatives in 
wherever it is. But don't let Isaac go up there. You know, they wanted to stay in the land. If they didn't stay in the land, it's because God told them, leave. But I, Abraham stayed in the land, and Isaac stayed in the land, and Jacob, when he went to Bethel, God said, I'll be with you, and I'll bring you back here. Right. So they, they were tied to the land really tightly. I don't think there was much else that was as important as the land. That's their and so that's why he said, I don't be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I'll go down there with you. This was different. He didn't say this to Abraham, and he didn't say this to Isaac, but he says it to Jacob. Yeah. So I would say that on this wagon trip, Tamar was there too. We didn't get there yet, but you'll see evidence that her sons were there, but okay. she's there. Okay, that's fine. You guys <laughs> find more stuff to look at. Aren't there other cases in uh, Hebrew scriptures where uh, different uh, people wanted to be buried in the land? Oh, you yeah. know, you oh, know yeah. uh, this is uh, when uh, Joseph's father said, you know, I want to be buried or they die and carry me back yeah. to the land. Yeah, Joseph himself said, I want my bones carried back to the land. Yep, absolutely, that's true. Um. Another thing I wanted to point out, if I can remember what it was. Mm, boy, was there just a minute ago. I hate that. Well, I'll fill in the blanks. Okay, while go ahead. It. So a while back we were talking about who was Tamara descended of. And Jasher, she's a descendant of Seth. Okay. She's the granddaughter of Seth. Who is? Tamar. Tamar, okay. Yeah. All right. So that's neither here nor there for what you're talking about oh, right oh, now. Okay. You found it. Okay, now good. I got it. Thank you. You, right. did, you did good. <laughs> the last part of verse 4. Uh, verse 4 says, God's talking. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again. Now, what is the, what is the phrase, the, the rest of that verse say? And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. That doesn't make any sense. Uh huh. But that's not what mine says. I think mine, mine captures it. It says, and Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. Oh. So it's basically, Joseph will be with you when you die. I think that's what... what oh, okay. Never mind. That makes good sense to me. And that would be a promise that Jacob would really like. Right? Go to Egypt. But the other thing about this that just gets me is we're so used to thinking about stuff that happens to us in our lifetime. And this makes it real clear. Go to Egypt. I'll bring you back, you in quotes, but you're going to die there. <laughs> That's what he's saying, right? It really helps to get God's perspective in terms of time to the degree that we can um, and realize that this is, he's, he's in the, this is the long game, you know, and we are just happen to be fortunate enough to be up here in the, the last few minutes of the fourth quarter, if you ask me. Yeah. So this whole verse, actually, and the one before it kind of goes against my theory of why don't they come back. Okay. Because, like you said, he, he's going to die there. Well, he doesn't die right after the famine. I think he lives Some more. many, many years after yes. they're down there. Yep. 
And it says here that I will make thee a great nation. Presumably there. Yes. But I don't know. No, I think it very much presumably there. As a matter of fact, mine adds the word there. Mine says, for I will make you into a great nation there. All right. I still don't like the idea that they don't go back. <laughs> well, I don't like the idea that they didn't go back either, but there you are. Finally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, since, since we got just a couple more minutes, and this is the boring part, why don't you let me read through the, uh, the genealogy, and we'll count. This is the part that everybody gets excited about. Not me, but everybody else. Verse 8. These are the names of the sons of Israel, Jacob and his descendants, who went to Egypt. Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob. The sons of Reuben were Hanok, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. The sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jakin, Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman. The sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. And the sons of Judah, Ur, Onan, Shelah, Perez, and Zerah. But Ur and Onan had died in the land of Canaan. The sons of Perez, or Hezron and Hamul. The sons of Issachar, Hola, Pua, Jashub, and Shimron. The sons of Zebulun, Sered, Elon, and Jalil. These were the sons Leah bore to Jacob in Padan Aram, besides his daughter Dina. These sons and daughters of his were 33 in all. The sons of Gad, Zephon, Haggai, Shunai, Esbon, Eri, Arodai, and Areli. The sons of Asher, Imnah, Ishva, Ishvi, and Bariah. Their sister was Serah, and the sons of Bariah, Heber and Malkiel. And these were the children born to Jacob by Zilpah, whom Laban had given to his daughter Leah, sixteen in all. The sons of Jacob's wife, Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin. In Egypt, Manasseh and Ephraim were born to Joseph by Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On. The sons of Benjamin were Bela, Bekar, Ashbel, Gera, Naaman, Ehi, Rosh, Mupan, and Hupam, and Ard. These were the sons of Rachel, who were born to Jacob, fourteen in all. The son of Dan, Hushim, the sons of Naphtali, Jaziel, Guni, Jezer, and Shelem. These were the sons born to Jacob by Bilhah, whom Laban had given to his daughter Rachel, seven in all. All those who went to Egypt with Jacob, those were his direct descendants, not counting his sons' wives, numbered 66 persons. With the two sons who had been born to Joseph in Egypt, the members of Jacob's family which went to Egypt were 70 in all. So this is where the math issue comes in, because there's 66, and we see that they named two more, and that 66 plus 2 doesn't make 70. But 66 plus 2 makes 68. Then they didn't count Jacob. So that's 69. Then there's this, who's the 70th one? Joseph. Fine. I'll buy that. I, 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 there's a bunch of messing around about the numbers, but they don't, you can look at it lots of different ways. And the, the number 70 is important because it's the number of nations. You know, it's a kind of a, uh, that's why it's important. But as long as we're doing this, I'll finish and then we can, 
I'll call it a night. Starting in verse 28. Now Jacob sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to get directions to Goshen. When they arrived in the region of Goshen, Joseph had his chariot made ready and went to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and wept for a long time. Israel said to Joseph, Now I am ready to die, since I have seen for myself that you are still alive. And then Joseph said to his brothers and his father's household, I will go up and speak to Pharaoh and will say to him, My brothers and my father's household who were living in the land of Canaan have come to me. The men are shepherds, they tend livestock. They have brought along their flocks and herds and everything they own. And when Pharaoh calls you in and asks you, what is your occupation? You should answer, your servants have tended livestock from our boyhood on, just as our fathers did. Then you will be allowed to settle in the region of Goshen, for all shepherds are detestable to the Egyptians. So we can talk about that a bit. Go ahead, John. Back to the math. Yes. And my notes, so it agrees with you. It says 60, you count it up and there's 66. But then I say, plus the three living wives equals 69. Okay. But there's still one, not 60. I get it to add up to 69, 68. And you you were saying 68. Yeah. Um, But then my point is, the one that they didn't count is the one we just talked, we read at the beginning. I will go go with with you. you. That's okay, too. Like I say, I'm not going to let a silly thing like mathematics get in the way. Um, I'll do just this one thing about for all shepherds are detestable to the Egyptians. One of the things that I think is important to note is that the Egyptians made most of their uh, livelihood on the Nile Delta, you know, and they'd learned how to uh, take advantage of the flooding through canals and whatnot, and so they, they were farmers, is what they were. There weren't very many herdsmen. Okay? Goshen was away from the delta a little bit, and it was up in the rolling hills. And it was of no use to a farmer, but it was a great place to raise sheep. So that's why the land of Goshen was a perfect place for the Hebrews, because they could raise their sheep up there. And, you know, the Egyptians didn't think, you know, raising sheep was kind of a low-class thing to do, I gather. But anyway, John. There's a recent interest in permaculture. Uh Uh-huh. That's, that's, I mean, the, the animals are used for different things. You use the sheep for browsing, uh, going after the brush and things like that. Yep. Whereas the cows are heads down on the, gra- on the grass and the sheep are in the brush. Mm-hmm. The goats are the same way. So yep. you got to be careful with how much, how long you put the sheep on the land because they'll destroy it. Yep. You need to move them a lot. Good point. But the cows, you can come back, the grass will recover quicker. I like all that stuff. Yeah. We got a lot to learn. One of these days we're gonna we're gonna use that. Are there any other final comments? We'll quit. Okay. Let me uh, let me close in prayer. Father God, thank you for the evening. Thank you for the discussion. Thank you for looking at Joseph's life. Thank you for uh, helping us to get through the climax here and and understand some of the stuff that you uh, you show us here. I think it's important that we, uh, I learned, for example, that it might not have been Joseph's grand plan to do all these things that he did to test his brothers. It was something that you were probably guiding him to do as he was 
moving along. But it sure was interesting, and it sure is, is there is sure a lot that we can learn from it. And it's just important that we think about these things as we uh, go through our lives and figure out that we are also just a part of your plan. Help us to be obedient so that we can be a, uh, we can fulfill the purpose that you have for us. Bless us until we get together again next week. In Yeshua's name, amen. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you.